the Blue Bloods, the Cinderella stories. Which teams are you taking to go all the way? And which teams are going home early? It's time to go inside the tournament. This is Bracket Breakdown, presented by Gruber Law Offices. Live from the Gruber Law Offices One Call That's All studios at Radio City, here's Craig Carmison, David Gruber, and Stephen Watson. And welcome to Bracket Breakdown, presented by Gruber Law Offices. Another year, another hour this year. I feel like uh, we used to be a one-hour show. We've expanded to two hours and uh, more hosts here, David. Pretty exciting. Yeah, and uh, Stephen Gruber will join us along the way. Chris Larson is here, our Michigan expert. Stephen Watson uh, from Channel 12 is here. Stephen, I feel like you have anger toward your bracket. I don't feel great about it, Craig. <laughs> I really don't. But I have to say, just to hear this music in my ear right now, what a, what a beautiful tune. Are you allowed to say that as someone who works for ABC to like a song that's on CBS? Hey, we're all sports fans, right? <laughs> okay, I just wanted to make sure. We love this beautiful, you know, these tones just give us so much sense of pride and happiness come March. We missed them last year. We also want to get you involved. Uh, each segment of the show, I have a question, a, uh, a March Madness, a college basketball related question. And uh, we'll see who can uh, who can get it right. You know what? We'll, we'll see what. Let's kick off this one, uh, this segment right away. Marquette University, in the last ten years, besides Marcus Howard, who is the leading scorer at Marquette? Career leading scorer over the last ten years, besides Marcus Howard. Who has the most points? By the way, this show is all about breaking down the brackets, as you heard, and we are going to get through it. Nobody knows college basketball like David, uh, and uh, it'll be fun to get through this, uh, see some of the uh, the upsets, and see where we agree and disagree. Do either of you have a guess you want to throw out uh, on this question? And uh, Chris Larson uh, is here as well. Uh, anyone want to throw out a guess, or do we do, should we open it up to the phone or the text? Oh, let's open it up. You, you want to open it up? Yeah, we can open it up. Chris, you... you I can open I mean, I have, I have an answer, but we can open it up if you want, yeah. All right, do you want to hear... Okay, let's uh, let, let's open it up. All right. And then let's see... Okay, so if we'll take a phone call on this one. Uh, leading scorer at Marquette over the last 10 years, not single season, career points, 800-990-ESPN. And Chris, can you check the uh, text line as well? I can, yes. Okay, or you can text us, 800-990-ESPN. Uh, do, do you guys have your answers locked in? I think so. Uh, okay. David does not. I didn't even think about it, so. <laughs> yes. Uh, all right, we'll see uh, if someone can call in or text in the answer. Uh, last 10 years besides Marcus Howard. Has anyone actually scored in the last 10 years? <laughs> not single season career besides Marcus Howard in the last 10 years. 800-990-ESPN. It's 800-990-3776. We'll go through each of the regions, but first, it is at least nice to have one team in the tournament, and it is the University of Wisconsin. Uh, David, did we expect too much of this team because of what they did last year or did this team underachieve as the feeling seems to be or is it just such a tough conference that uh, we don't even know i think a little bit of everything <sighs> uh i think the big 10 was by far the best conference in the country and it seemed like every badger game i watched for the last three weeks they were playing a top 10 team in the country 
And in most cases, they were going right down to the wire. So they were very difficult, very difficult team to gauge. I remember seeing that, like, oh, the Badgers haven't beaten a ranked team. Like, they're 0-9 in their last... But it was since, like, December. Like, they'd played all these teams in, like, a two-month period. I mean, Stephen, when you watch Wisconsin, is this a matter of, hey, these teams all know each other so well, now they're out of the Big Ten, and they can get after it? Or is this not their year? This team has been unbelievably frustrating to watch this season. And and I'm a proud Badger, right? You know, like, I, I, I love Wisconsin basketball. I always root for them to do well. But this team has been arguably the most frustrating Wisconsin team to watch for me since I attended the university uh, about a decade ago. Going into this year, they were seventh overall. They got as high as, as like high as number four, I believe, in the AP poll. And you know, all we talked about in the off season and early part of the year was the experience that this team had. All the seniors they had. Reavers was a preseason, uh, you know, wouldn't a watchword player. And and Micah Potter coming off of how well he was playing last year going into this season. And of course, Brad Davis and Demetric Trice. And they at the beginning of the year we saw them. Which, win by the some... way, these are names we've all started to know. Like in college basketball, there's so much one and done yeah. that with other programs, you're talking about 19 year old kids, 18 year old kids who you don't even know. With Wisconsin, you know, these are like 22 year olds who who we now we know them, so we expect more from them. 22, I, I believe. Yeah. Two or three of the guys are 24. I mean, yeah. they're they're older than the Chicago Bulls. I know that's been put out there a yeah. lot this year. So the, the experience was supposed to be this team's biggest asset, and during the latter part of this Big Ten schedule, really most of the entire Big Ten schedule, they've played like freshmen. They, they, they seem wide-eyed, and, and that's what concerns me about this team. They haven't been, out, been able to close out a big game down the stretch. They're 3-6 and six in games this season when they've been decided by six points or less. They're 0-9, as you mentioned, Craig, against the top five teams in the Big Ten this year. But I still think that they are going to win their first game. And I know that we'll get to an actual bracket breakdown. But I, I, this team, it's it just at some point you have to, have to wonder, they're just not good enough to get over the hump in pressure situations. David, so what do you think? Is it, hey, this is great that they're out of the Big Ten, or, oh, no, this is a super athletic, young North Carolina team that's actually figuring itself out? I likewise think they're going to eke by North Carolina who, interestingly enough, has played very well since they got demolished by Marquette. But uh, their next game would be against Baylor. And uh, I, I, think, I think they got a very, very tough draw. But, uh, so UNC is the best offensive rebounding team in the country. And, we're, and the Badgers are one of the few teams in the country that actually box out. Yeah, I was going to say, do you think that actually is a good matchup for Wisconsin? Because this is something they should actually be able to do with their age and their size. I think it's a, a terrible... Uh, <laughs> I don't think it's a good matchup for North Carolina. I think they're going to be surprised how tenacious Wisconsin is in guarding. And um, So I, I do like, I like the Badgers' chances against North Carolina. But the Badgers' rebounding has been one of their biggest problems lately. Yeah. Like, well, that, that, that stat terrifies me. Well, they're playing against pros. I mean... Uh, Michigan, what, Dickinson 7-1, Garza's 7-1, you know, the uh, Illinois has got two guys that are seven feet tall. I mean, UNC has four players over six foot ten. Old school basketball. They're inexperienced, though. I think the the experience is going to be the difference 
when they play against a team that they're not completely familiar with. And I'm also in the minority. I think playing in Mackey Arena is going to help them a little bit, even though there aren't any people there, because they're at least familiar with the, familiar with the game. I mean, this whole thing is is different, right? The the spacing, the days the teams are playing, when they can practice, when Virginia can practice. Yeah. Virginia Virginia's like barely able to do layup yeah. lines before the game. So I, I think nothing about this is you know experience. You know is you know is going to be the same as these guys have experienced. But I would think that these seniors and these adults that the Badgers have, there should be some advantage to this of going into a situation like this against a North Carolina team that's got a lot of 18- and 19-year-olds. Well, just the fact that they've played tournament games, right? I, I mean, that, that certainly will play into the Badgers' you know, favor. I just think the entire setup of this NCAA tournament I don't think you can speak enough about how unique of a situation this is to have every single game played in the entire state of Indiana, to have these players be, you know, tested COVID every single day, you know, quarantined hotel rooms for the next couple of days. Uh, David had mentioned it earlier, like these teams aren't going to practice much in these arenas going into the first day. I think it's going to be absolute chaos. (laughs) Well, and I, I think the Badgers, what are they, four and eight in their last 12? But I actually think they're kind of playing well. Um, like I, I yeah. don't, I don't think they're They've playing poorly. Big, big, like you know, mm. good leads against good teams. <laughs> like they're playing Illinois and Iowa. These are final four worthy teams, and with three, four minutes to go in most of these games, it's anybody's game. Yeah, and and remember, in the past, somebody's like, "Oh, you can't lose that game at home." Like, what is the Cole yeah. Center advantage right now? Right? It's it's probably even more depressing for these seniors who know what it would have been like had there normally been the energy of the Cole Center. So I, I don't know if even being at home is an advantage for them right now. So I think getting into this tournament, getting away from these same teams, getting away from the uh, immense uh, veteran talent that they've had to play against, and some. I mean, when you look at Iowa, I mean, like, I mean, they're playing. Iowa down the stretch, and they're you know they're playing them basically even. I mean, I, I think I think Wisconsin has as long as their head is straight. Yeah, like I, I just don't know how much losing affects you at this point. Like, do you lose your confidence after you've lost this many games and this many close games in this short a period of time? If their head's right, I, I think this is not a bad matchup for them. Yeah, but the errors that they've been making down the stretch are just sheer sheer fundamentals, right? It, it's lack of boxing out. It's turnovers. You know, it's not as much, you know, we've seen them go long stretches, you know, without hitting a shot. But it's the big plays, like against Iowa the other night, Trice throwing the ball away and then being called for a five-second violation uh, on the baseline. Like, those are the type of plays that make you scratch your head about this team that's supposed to be so experienced. And I, I worry about that as they enter a survive-and-advance type of mindset of you have to win games in the final two minutes of the NCAA tournament. Chris Larson, do we have any texts? We do indeed. A couple texts here, uh, question about Marquette. We got a couple here. Let's see. One from taxi driver Joe. His guess is Vanderblue. Vanderblue. Do you think that is correct, Chris? I'm going to say no. Do you think Vanderblue is correct? No. David, Vanderblue, second leading scorer behind Marcus Howard. Do you think that is correct? Uh, He was my second choice, so no. That is, you are all right. Vanderblue is not correct. Do we have any other? We have one here from the 262. His guess is Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder. Do you think that is correct, Chris? Uh, no. Is that within the last decade? Yeah. Yes. Uh, That's like a fringe, so. isn't it? I don't know. Feels like 
about that long. I wasn't ago. feeling Jay Crowder because I don't think he did. Yeah, he I don't only think he played, played two years. Yeah, I don't think he played enough. I think he played two years. <laughs> okay, uh, incorrect. Do we have any more? Oh, uh, that's it. All right, um, let's go, Stephen. Who's your guess? I'm going to go with a guy who did not play his senior season because of his own choosing, Sam Hauser. Okay, it's interesting. Chris, who who do you have? Uh, I wonder if this falls in the category. Because the last ten years, you said, or last yeah, 20, ten years. Last ten years. I was going to say Drill McNeil. Ah, uh, that would be over ten with, years. Over 10 nope, years. Well, well over Maybe, ten years. Get a there. Guess then. Let's go to David. I think I have another name. All right. I, I, I was thinking by longevity that it was Wesley Matthews. Wesley Matthews, who would also be over ten years ago. Was so, it over? 10? Yes. Yes. He's, yeah, he's like a 13, 14 year uh, veteran I, no, right now. The, the, Chris. Yeah, I, I'm trying to think of a name. And the correct answer is Sam Hauser. Stephen Stephen Watson gets it correct. Leading score besides Marcus Howard over the last 10 years for the Marquette Golden Eagles. None other than Sam Hauser. Who right now is playing in the NCAA tournament. Yes, he is. Uh, As is his brother. Yes, though, uh, assuming they they can you know get get their layup lines in, both of them will be playing, and one of them, I guess, in the wow. play in. Right? There aren't many guys that played three years, you know, Marquette over the last decade. And I mean, first names that come to mind were you know Henry Ellenson, who scored a ton as a freshman, but he played one and done. Hanif Cheatham was another name. You know, Tracy Carter was a guy yeah. that I thought about. Uh, even Andrew Rousey, you know, oh. scored a bunch of points, but Hauser started as a freshman. Yep. Played three years, scored a lot of points. Very Tracy impressive. Uh, oh. All of a sudden, the man who hates his bracket comes out firing in the first segment. <laughs> we'll go to the West. We'll go West, young man, and we will uh, hit our first region when we continue. It's Bracket Breakdown, presented by Gruber Law Offices on 94.5 ESPN. You're listening to Bracket Breakdown on 94.5 ESPN. Presented by Gruber Law Offices. One call, that's all. Here's Craig Carmison, David Gruber, and Stephen Watson. Downtown. 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 Oh, we are back, and it's time to dig into the brackets. And we're starting out in the West, where I feel like uh, I don't want to uh, don't want to ruin anyone's uh, ruin anyone's next two hours. But I think we're gonna hear Stephen Watson's champions uh, going at it as uh, Gonzaga gets it going against the winner of the 16. And we don't need to talk about that game, but Gonzaga has won 30 games, 30 for 30, 29 of them by double digits. I mean, that is a dominating team, and it's not like, oh, well, it's because they haven't played anybody. They, they've, they've played some teams. I mean, David, this is the best team since? Well, record-wise, the 19 undefeated uh, 1975-76 Indiana team of Bobby Knight. I mean, so five teams have gotten to the tournament without a loss, and so this team seems like they could be the team to do it, right? I mean, this isn't a one-player type thing. I mean, this is a deep, really good starting five, right? They have a great coach, great coach in few. Um, Suggs, their freshman point guard, who's this incredible athlete, is going to go in the top five in the draft. Kispert, I guess, is going to be a first-round pick. Who's a great shooter. He, they're, they're just a well-rounded team. They have depth. And the interesting thing about it is I think they played most of their competition early in the year. 
That's my quote-unquote concern about them. They played really tough competition early in the year. And I think Brigham Young was the only competitive, competitive game late in the year. So unlike a lot of these Big Ten teams and some other teams, I don't think they've really had any wars in the last four to six weeks, which may help or may hurt. So I have no idea what to do with the matchup of who they're playing against. So I have, I have four games here in the first round that I need help on, David. First is Oklahoma versus Missouri. I've watched them each play once. They seem exactly the same to me. I have no idea what to do with that game. That's the epitome of a toss-up, I think. I, I like, really, aren't they the same exact well, team? <laughs> well, I liked Oklahoma a lot, a lot, about till about two or three weeks ago. And then I saw the majority of two games in a row that they lost to their rival, Oklahoma State. But then again, Oklahoma that's State's only when I really realized good. how good Oklahoma State was. Missouri, Missouri is up and down in an up and down SEC. You know, Quanzo Martin's okay as a coach. All right, you got me on Oklahoma then. Uh, well, uh, I didn't pick Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that's a way real, to bury the lead, David. That's a real thought. That's exactly right. <laughs> I mean, that's uh, they have some nice they have some nice depth. Um, both teams. I, I'd say two weeks ago I would have taken Oklahoma very quickly, and in my uh, commitment last night I went with Missouri. All right, so now every year there's like 12 seeds that win, right? There's at least one 12 seed that wins every year. And I always think there's at least one bracket where you see a 12 and a 13 win. Everybody loves it right here, right? You see Santa Barbara over Creighton, Ohio over Virginia, Virginia with the COVID extra issues there. Um, I mean, Stephen, do you have both of those, 12 and 13? I have one of those. I am going to go with Creighton. Uh, I still think they have enough talent on that roster to win that 5-12 matchup. I love Ohio as that 13-4 upset. Um, With what we talked about in the the first segment with Virginia not being able to practice due to COVID, we have no idea how many players are going to take the court We also talked about Sam Hauser, though, who is uh, your guy. What about Sam Hauser? (laughs) Yeah, I'm happy for Sam that he went somewhere and he won, um, and he got his you know victory lap at Virginia. I'm sure he'll end up playing overseas um, at somewhere, but I, I I'm going to go with Ohio as as the the sexy upset pick there at 13. Um, I love picking a 13 somewhere in my bracket every single year. That is just with the uncertainty of Virginia. They won the last national championship that was played in March in, in 2019. So I guess they're defending champions. So it's almost fitting based on history that defending champions don't repeat. And given the COVID concerns and Virginia playing in a pretty weak ACC for most of this year, I'm going to go with Ohio right there. All right. Uh, David, what do you think on those that 12 and 13? I mean, everybody's got at least one of those coming out. You have one or both? Well, I agree with everything Stephen said, except I think the equalizer is going to be that somehow Tony Bennett's going to figure out how to win. That's what I did, too. So I... I ended up going with Virginia, but I went with Santa Barbara uh, coming out. I, I watched that uh, Georgetown-Creighton game. I, like you said, I, I'm, I'm not sold on Creighton. I, I, think, well, I think the Gauchos, uh, that's a big uh, Jakari McLaughlin. I, I picked Creighton. Yeah? I picked Creighton. I, I mean, you know, I was sold on them again till about a week or so ago. And that loss I, to Georgetown was tough. Uh, Georgetown was playing on crazy adrenaline, crazy momentum, and, you know, giant chips on their shoulder. And, uh, hey, McDermott's a tough coach and, uh, again, experienced. So I, 
I usually pick all the upsets, but I, I like Creighton, and I'll go right back to Virginia because everything is against Virginia. They can't practice. They can't get together. They can't travel. They can't do this. But, but they could shoot. The I lot, mean, they could shoot. Everyone, I think everyone's doubting them. And well, Hey, Tony Bennett wins close games. Last I saw the man, he was playing for the national championship. Right. I mean, I know they lost the 116, but I, I'm everyone loves Ohio. I mean, I, I, I'm going Virginia here. By the way, we didn't throw out a question uh, this uh, segment. Uh, where where do you guys want to go this segment? UConn, North Carolina, Duke, Indiana. Where, what, what, what program? Let's go Indiana because uh, in honor of Gonzaga, you brought up that Indiana was the last team to go um, undefeated in a season. But I want to know, who is Indiana, Chris Larson? You're one of your rivals. Who is Indiana's leading scorer over the last 20 years? Indiana's leading scorers of the last 20 years, David Steve Alford, does not apply here. 20 years, though. We're oh, going 20. 20 years. I was probably going to hit you with 30. <laughs> yes, exactly. One of my favorite trivia questions is what was their starting five, because everybody always comes up with four of them. I would not uh, be able to get that. Three of them were bucks. Wow. That, we, we, could, we could have done that. All right. Anyone want to throw out their guess, or are we opening it up to the texts at 800-990-ESPN? I have a quick guess. I have a I guess, too, yeah. Okay. Like, go to Chris first. All right, Chris. Uh, I was going to say Yogi Ferrell. That's what, that was my guess, too. God. I like, I like I, these I, guys that play multiple years. Uh, you got to go with I them. was going to say Yogi Ferrell, too. Uh, you know, they're all, they have a lot of little guards like that. Yogi Ferrell is correct. Well done. Leading scorer in the last 20 years at Indiana is none other than Yogi Ferrell. All right. He played there for like seven years, at didn't least. he? Yeah. <laughs> David, so the other like, one... Like Dan Dockage. <laughs> ...that I had some issues with is this 6-11 matchup. And it's always hard because you don't even know like who they're playing, right? So Wichita State and Drake is really my question because I, I like USC here. I like them. They have a great kind of star type player. So I like USC, but I just don't know enough about Wichita State or Drake. Should I be afraid of Evan Mobley uh, falling to either of those two? Well, they, USC gets a lot of good pub, and they say Mobley is going to go two or three in the draft. I saw him, and you know, they got that coach a lot of years now who is from Florida Gulf Coast, and he's very good. He's very good. I saw Drake play twice against uh, Loyola of Chicago. And they're tough as you know what. In fact, there was, I think there was a pretty good uh, scuffle towards the end of the game. Wichita State, of course, you know the epitome of the blue collar team. But uh, I get I, USC is very long, very tall, very athletic. Again, I like their I like their coach. So I, I went with USC in that one. Okay, so let's uh, let's, go our, uh, let's go to our let's go to our our Sweet Sixteen from that region because I have Gonzaga. I do have. Santa Barbara upsetting Virginia, and then I have Kansas, and I have another big upset, which, uh, David, I want your take on, Virginia Commonwealth over Iowa. And I feel like you probably have Virginia Commonwealth losing to Oregon. I do. But I think Virginia Commonwealth's defensive tenacity could get it done, and they could take uh, Iowa out of what they're trying to do a little bit. Iowa's a good offensive team. I don't know if they're as athletic to, to, you know, to hang, hang in that game. Uh, I liked Iowa a lot more after watching their recent games against the Badgers. And again, I think it's a team that's not far from uh, being Final Four worthy. I think they're great shooters. They're a little more versatile than I thought. Um, They really stick the three. They're really good foul shooters, too. And again, McCaffrey's been around. Those are uh, 
you know, if Iowa plays Oregon, those are those are high level coaches. And you're and you're chalk here, right? So you're Gonzaga, Virginia, Kansas, and Iowa. Iowa. Oh yeah, I'm also chalk. And you're chalk there too. And I, I end up with uh, Gonzaga over Kansas in my uh, in my finals there. And and you guys both Gonzaga over Iowa. I have, I have Gonzaga over Iowa. I do too, and I, I that could be a war. You know that that could be the first time Gonzaga has a real war in like a month and a half. See, I think they don't get tested. Uh, I I mean I think they Kansas is a test. I, I I like Kansas a lot. I mean they're you know just because they're not you know they didn't have a a Big Twelve run this year, and just because they stunk earlier in the year, they still have a lot of talent. They're starting to play defense. I, I think Kansas. I think like they're. I don't think people are gonna be able to score against them. I actually uh, I did not go chalk because I had USC over Kansas. Oh, okay. So I I, I think th- I think COVID's going to impact these teams like Kansas and UVA more than we think. See, I think COVID if they're if these guys are there, I I I think it's less of an impact. Um, I, and that's why I think Virginia wins. I think Kansas wins, and I think Kansas has a run in them. David, what what do you think about Kansas? They started the year terribly. Again, last I saw them in an NCAA in person a couple years ago, they were they were losing by thirty something. <laughs> uh, they bring in a uh, lot of Aub- I believe that was Auburn who yes, uh, blew believe, them out. Uh, I believe Bill Self was running out of timeouts in the first half. Uh, not a big Kansas fan for whatever reason, but they play really, really, really hard. But I, I think Iowa are much better shooters and have a little bit more firepower. All right. So uh, I end up with Gonzaga out of the West. Uh, I believe uh, you both do, too, in a, yes. in a tough one. Yes. Yeah. Hard not to pick Gonzaga right there. All right. We, uh, we go from the West to the East. As we continue, it's Bracket Breakdown, 94.5 ESPN and Wisconsin On Demand. This is Bracket Breakdown on 94.5 ESPN. Presented by Gruber Law Offices. One call, that's all. Here's Craig Carmison, David Gruber, and Stephen Watson. Welcome in Stephen Gruber, who joins us as well. Good afternoon, Stephen. Thank you, Craig. Happy to be here. We are uh, just getting into our East region, and we, uh, which features UConn, which uh, will lead to our next question of the day. And this is for all of you. Um, we'll see if uh, once you hear the question, if you guys want to throw out an answer, if you want uh, us to get listeners, get the first crack. Who is the leading scorer for UConn over the last 20 years? Career points at UConn over the last 20 years. Um, You guys want to take a shot? Or you want to throw it out there uh, to the listeners? I'm happy to take a shot. Oh. Wow. Coming out firing. I love it. Your dad was, you know, David was saying throw it out to the listeners, but Steven's coming in firing. Who you got, Steven? Kemba Walker. Kemba Walker is is a sexy pick. He is incorrect. Uh, Did not play enough seasons, uh, I believe, to get it done. Uh, Chris Larson, we're throwing it out. Are you? I got. I got. I, got, I have a couple. I'm not sure of. If, uh, uh, I, I know one guy falls in the category, but I'm not sure if the other guy falls. Okay, in the let's uh, let's throw it out there. Since uh, Stephen Groover uh, misfired on his Kemba Walker attempt, eight hundred nine ninety ESPN. 
You could give us a call or shoot us a text. Leading scorer at UConn in the last 20 years, 800-990-3776. That is a talk or text line. So if you're driving, give us a call. If not, feel free to text. See if you know the leading scorer at UConn in the last 20 years. All right, the East Region does feature Michigan, which uh, Chris Larson uh, will have you give us a quick breakdown of your squad, especially with a a very important injury that has has, uh, hit them. Yeah, uh, Isaiah Livers' stress fracture injury, they're hopefully going to give him two weeks to rest and then get to the Sweet 16. That way he can rest it, wrap it, get a shot, and he can play. He played in that game. I have confidence he can come back in two weeks because he did play in that Maryland game when they played him in the Big Ten tournament. He didn't fare all that well playing. He didn't score a lot. He only played 15 minutes, but he was able to move around still. So a stress fracture, as long as you can put pressure on it and play on it, you can play. So wait, Chris, where do you have Michigan going in your bracket? I don't have my bracket complete yet. I'm still working on it. Yes. But uh, as of right now, I'm probably going to have them maybe bowing out the Florida State, depending upon if Livers comes back or not. Yeah, that is a tough matchup. As well. we, as we look at the first round there, I one, think... One more thing about yeah. Michigan, though, too, uh, and Livers, uh, over the last two seasons when he's played and he scored over double digits, they're 27 and 3. When he hasn't, they're 12 and 12. Wow. That's a great mm. stat. That is a stat. Um, hmm, let me see. Mount St. Mary's all of a sudden looking good in that uh, 116 <laughs> matchup uh, there. Uh, but it does make you, it interest makes LSU an interesting pick there, David. Uh, you oh. watched that LSU Alabama game yesterday. LSU, a lot of elite yeah, athletes. I'm curious on the court. to hear what David has to say well, about LSU. I, I've watched LSU play about six or seven full games this year, and uh, they may be the lowest seed in this tournament with the most talent. They, they clearly have three NBA players per all the prognosticators. There's, I think Cam Johnson, the kid who started the game yesterday with three quick threes. I mean, these guys are studs and they're pros and they can score and they're starting to guard a little. Um, I think Michigan's going to... Uh, by the way, uh, St. Bonaventure against LSU. St. Bonnie's supposed to be quite good. But uh, I think Michigan's going to have a war with LSU. And you got to be careful with that. That can be a very high-scoring affair. So I did pick Michigan, but uh, I, I um, LSU went toe to toe with Alabama, and we'll just say Alabama is very Final Four worthy. Interesting. So 49 years to the day that John Thompson was named the head coach at Georgetown University, his. Most famous player, Patrick Ewing, a guy who he felt like was denied the opportunity to be a head coach in the NBA when he deserved it, leads Georgetown to a Big East championship. Steven, I feel like you have them uh, You have them rolling in this thing. How far do you have Georgetown going? The, the East is my chaos bracket. Okay. <laughs> I'm going LSU over Michigan. Okay. And I have LSU against Georgetown in the Sweet 16, an 8-12 matchup. I love, you know, you talk about teams catching fire in their tournaments. We saw that with Kemba Walker and UConn. Yep. I, I love this story of Patrick Ewing walking into MSG and nobody recognizing him and saying, my name's up in, my jersey's in the rafters, you should know who I am. Everybody's going to continue talking about Patrick Ewing into the Sweet 16. I have... LSU Georgetown the Sweet 16 with LSU beating them. All right, so you have, and and I have Florida State, uh, you know, advancing over Georgetown in that in a tough matchup to get to the Sweet 16. 
And then uh, moving on from there, Stephen Gruber, as uh, you look at this region, uh, where are you feeling out of Georgetown after, after you saw them beat Marquette? Do you think they have another uh, run in them in the uh, NCAA tournament? Well, Craig, I, I think Georgetown is an interesting story. You've seen that a lot lately with some teams running, making a, a run in the conference tournament and, and parlaying that momentum into the um, NCAA March Madness tournament. One of the things that I think the biggest takeaway, I, I think Georgetown will beat Colorado, but I think Florida State is loaded. That's a tough matchup. Florida State has two probably first-round picks uh, in Scotty Barnes, who I think is going to be a top-ten pick. And then a guy named MJ Walker, who I think he'll be a later first round pick, but they have two legitimate first round NBA players, probably who will both be in the draft this year. Uh, I think it's interesting that the conversation that you all just had regarding Michigan and LSU, LSU has three legitimate NBA players, Cam Thomas, who just, he's unbelievable, smart and Watford. Those are three NBA players. And, I think that the team that had to be most shocked, I wouldn't say shocked, but they were a number one seed. But when Michigan saw this bracket, I could tell you, I bet you they looked down and said, wow, LSU is not who we wanted to play in the second round. That's going to be a great matchup. I think LSU was just as likely to win that matchup as Michigan, and I really like Michigan. It's just a great matchup there. I think this bracket has the most teams that are just like could beat anyone, right? Michigan State, who was terrible all year, right, or at least at the start of the year, has beaten you know as many top five teams as anyone. They're a slash on your bracket. Like if you're advancing right? Michigan State, you get the bonus of you're also advancing UCLA. I could see Michigan State going on a run. I could see UConn going on a run. This is the one region where I could see six or seven teams in the regional final. Like, legitimately six or seven teams. Michigan, LSU, Florida State, Michigan State, Texas, UConn, Alabama. To me, are all no teams that could be in this, in this regional final. David, do you see this as, well, well, as being as open as well, I say? Let's put it this way. Michigan has the big injury issue, and I was, you know, they were one seed. I was in love with them a couple of weeks ago. Florida State, I think, like USC, they're enormously tall, very athletic. They're not great shooters, and they were a very, very sexy pick in the last week or two for people to have them in the Final Four. Texas got hot as can be. Two weeks ago, I didn't like Texas. People love Texas now, and I'll just tell you, um, I have Alabama going to the Final Four. Yeah, I mean this I this region. Going we're going to come back with the rest of this region and and get break it down. But Chris, do we have any text? Do we have any answers on uh, UConn leading score over the last twenty years at UConn? No, we have no text on that. No, no text. No. All right, oh. let's open it up right now. Eight hundred nine ninety ESPN. Eight hundred nine nine zero thirty seven seventy six. Who is UConn's leading scorer in the last twenty years? We'll answer that and see who we all have coming out of the East as we continue. It's bracket breakdown presented by Gruber Law Offices on ninety four five ESPN and Wisconsin On Demand. I think they're going to give it their coach. Continuing on Bracket Breakdown, David Groover, Stephen Groover, Stephen Watson, Craig Karmazin with you. Going through an East Bracket that has us a little uh, confused and bewildered here. 
Um, all right, Chris, do we have any text answers? If not, we're going straight to Stephen Watson. Here. We have uh, one from the 920, but he guessed Kemba Walker, which is already guessed incorrect by Stephen. Okay, uh, S- Stephen Gruber guessed incorrectly. Stephen Watson thinks he's about to go three for three and get this one right. Stephen, who is the leading UConn scorer over the last 20 years as we get to UConn in their matchup in the East region? I'm going to go with Rudy Gay. Rudy Gay is incorrect. Oh, I felt good about that one. It was a good uh, guess. He was in the mix. Uh, but uh, the... Uh, you, said he, you said in commercial break, you gave me a little he is, hint he that is he was a, a baller. baller. And I was... Uh, Rudy Gay he was is a, a baller. baller. I will tell you... I have, I have a guess. Okay, Chris, as a guess? I'm going to get uh, Shabazz Napier. That is correct. Wow, that's awesome. Nicely that done. Out. LeBron's guy. Nicely done. I was going to tell you that at, at the uh, first draft I attended as part of the Bucks, uh, as, as a Bucks limited partner, I was excited to see if we were going to draft this guy, uh, which we did not. It was the Miami Heat who maneuvered to uh, be able to get Shabazz Napier. Um, so, Stephen uh, Gruber, as wow. you look at this region, we said there's seven, eight names that could be in the uh, regional finals. Who do you have in your regional finals here in the East? I have, uh, I, I have in my regional finals... I have LSU versus Texas. Wow. I, how many different teams? So you have LSU and Texas. David, you said you have Alabama winning. Who do you have them beating? I, I stuck with Michigan. Okay, so that, that's four teams. I have Florida State beating UConn. Uh, I actually have, so that's six different teams. And then, Stephen, who do you have, Watson? The Stevens think alike. LSU, Texas for me as well. Yeah, I mean, this is a wild, wild bracket to, to figure out. So I have Florida State coming out of it. Steven Gruber, you were you were hyping up Florida State. I thought you might have been on board with yeah, my guys. I was surprised there. by that. I thought you had Florida State as a Final Four team the way you were hyping them. They're they're tough. I, I think this bracket is absolutely loaded. I I, Michi- I love Michigan too. I, I just think in that top that to me that's the top the most challenging. Uh, analysis in the entire bracket is that kind of upper corner there of where you have Michigan, you have LSU, you have Georgetown who's so hot, and you have Florida State. Those are all tre- tremendous teams. Obviously, Georgetown is more of a of, of a momentum pick than the other teams, but that that upper quadrant there is ridiculous. Wow, you're calling Georgetown the GameStop of the NCAA tournament? A little momentum <laughs> trade on Georgetown there, David. You have Alabama to the Final Four. Why? Because you've seen them a lot. Man, I've seen them a lot. They could shoot the three. They could defend. They, the way they practice, if they shoot a long shot, it's four points. So they only shoot layups. They shoot long threes. They really, really defend. And uh, they, they, they play fast. I, I think they're one of the teams that may be faster. You can't scout them. They, they look faster than they do on tape. Wow. And, and no one else besides me and no one else feeling UConn? Uh, no? no? Steven Watson? No? Too, too much talent on these other teams like Florida State and uh, LSU. What about Maryland? Talent. We haven't mentioned Maryland. I mean, what do you, what do you guys think about that Maryland-UConn-Steven Gruber, that Maryland-UConn uh, first-round matchup? I think it's going to be a heck of a game. Uh, but I think that wh- whoever runs into Bama in that next round is going to lose to Alabama. I think it's going to be a short-lived run for whoever wins that UConn-Maryland game. And both of those teams are interesting. Maryland is probably one of the examples of the teams that the mid-majors would use in their argument as to if you're just a solid team in a really good league, which I think Maryland probably was this year, 
that you make an NCAA tournament versus uh, a mid-major that's had a great run and has a better record and, and, and on paper doesn't have as many quality wins. I think Maryland won at Wisconsin. They have a couple other – I think they may have won at Michigan, if I recall. Yeah, I, uh, I was surprised which, that Maryland got a 10, whereas Michigan State, you know, as hot as they were at the end, is playing in that play-in game. I could have seen Maryland, you know, in that 11, you know, play-in game. I, I was actually – I thought they got they got the benefit of the doubt there. BYU can't be happy to see Michigan State in the, or UCLA in a playing game on the other side. Oh yeah, I, and sometimes I I think it's it it could be to those teams' advantage. You know, whoever wins that Michigan State UCLA game, I have winning that next game. Um, and, and I actually have them uh, I have them not only beating BYU but beating Texas to the Sweet Sixteen. Anyone else see that happening? You know, that uh, Michigan State-UCLA uh, uh, slash uh, going to the Sweet 16? I think this is the year that Shaka Smart enters back into the conversation in March. I, I really have Texas. I have them in my Final Four. Well, to answer the initial question, I mean, who the heck wants to coach against Tom Izzo in a NCAA tournament? Yeah. He's one of the best ever. Yep, exactly. So, all right. So, I have Gonzaga Gonzaga and Florida State is my two. David, you're at uh, Gonzaga and Alabama. And Stephen? Gonzaga, Texas. Gonzaga, Texas. And Stephen Gruber? Gonzaga, LSU. All right. Wow. That I mean, this is a fun, fun year and a uh, great run around half of the bracket. We will complete the rest of our bracket and uh, hit some more trivia questions as we roll on. It is Bracket Breakdown presented by Gruber Law Offices on 94.5 ESPN. And, and we say goodbye to Stephen Gruber and we say congratulations on uh, the birth of uh, your baby. Congrats on everything. And uh, we'll uh, talk to you soon, Stephen. S- sign it off gentlemen. after a half hour, huh? Oh yeah, he, he, we probably can't afford you. I guess he built he bills a lot more per hour than wow. you do. Wow, wow. <laughs> hey, we're we're contingency, Craig. Only wow. paid on our success. Yes, yeah. Ex- uh, I I'm happy to uh, I'm happy to stay on, Craig. All right, good. We'll get some bonus Stephen Groover time oh, wow. as as we roll on. It's 94.5 ESPN. One more hour on Wisconsin on demand.